It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, friends? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Remember to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. What's going on, Billy Rossetti? Welcoming you to another week here on the podcast. It is Kansas City week. It's hard to believe we're already at week nine of the season, but I want to go back in this episode. We're going to touch on a couple of things from the Falcons game. We're going to look at the snap counts as we usually do, uh, continue to look at the rotation because I'm you know, always interested in seeing how the Panthers kind of move pieces around and you know, um, get people in and out, especially with Zach Kerr being out. So we'll take a look at the the defensive line rotation too uh, as one of the more interesting notes. So we'll look at the snap counts. And then I also want to focus on, um, you know, at least one of the positives from Thursday's game. And those were the two touchdowns by Curtis Samuel from that game. And take a look at, you know, what exactly happened that, Helped spring those uh, those touchdowns and spring Curtis Samuel pretty open because he was you know quite athletic uh, and looked really good in those two touchdowns. So we'll break those down a little bit in in this episode later today. So I uh, want to jump into it. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball and look at the snap counts here. So uh, at least a, a little bit of a a better performance, at least in terms of uh, being out on the field. We know last week or uh, two weeks ago, I guess we should say. Uh, against the Saints, they only had about 45 offensive snaps, which is, you know, pretty low, especially given the uh, the offensive potential that that this team has. But uh, Thursday night against the Falcons, they managed 54 offensive snaps, and uh, just like just like uh, Monday or uh, last Sunday against the Saints, the Panthers had four players play all 54 snaps. But of course, for the first time this season. As we obviously know, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater was not one of those players that played all 100 or uh, 100% of snaps, I should say, and we obviously know why that was. But fortunately, he only ended up missing six snaps, so that was obviously good news. It was great to see Teddy Bridgewater get back in there after that shot he took. But uh, the four players that played every snap were uh, the four offensive linemen, not named 
Greg Little, basically, at least in terms of, you know, who got the start. So Chris Reed, Taylor Moten, John Miller in his first game back from injury, and Matt Paradis. And we know the offensive line had its ups and downs in this game, uh, particularly early in the game. Uh, there were some plays where, uh, especially guys like Paradis and even more in particular, uh, Chris Reed really struggled. Uh, there was a third and five early in the game, the one where the Panthers uh, got a flag that uh, moved the ball and gave them a, uh, another first down. I think there was pass interference on the Falcons in that one. But Chris Reed, and you know, to be fair, I think he was up against Grady Jared, which you know we know is one of the top defensive tackles in the NFL. But Chris Reed just got absolutely rocked. I mean, Grady Jarrett just pulled uh, a great rip move on him. Reed never stood a chance. And Teddy just had to get get rid of the ball quickly. Um, and that was something we saw a little bit of throughout the game, whether he was, you know, rolling out and getting and seeing pressure or um, having to just get rid of the ball quickly. You know whether to its his hot route or whatever the case may be, just because the uh, the def or the defense just really got after Teddy Bridgewater, the Falcons' defense, and you know give them a lot of credit. But the offensive line, you know the the issues certainly popped up in uh, in Thursday's game, and you know we we've talked a lot so far about the uh, the the problems and the uh, the inexperience, I, I guess we could say, and the question marks regarding especially the the interior offensive line. And, you know, we talked about the future of Matt Paradis, and we talked about, you know, also in a bit to the, the future of Taylor Moten. You know, what, you know, not that uh, Taylor Moten's been a problem, but we know he's in the contract year. We know he's, uh, there doesn't seem to be any talk. So, Thursday really rose those questions again about what do the Panthers have to do uh, on, along the offensive line to uh, to keep this team moving forward. And again, you know, maybe the inexperience is starting to show up again for for guys like Chris Reed and you know, uh, Greg Little had his uh, had his ups and downs in this game as well, and really. Little was uh, was out snapped in this game by Trent Scott. So, you know, that's another thing the Panthers have to figure out is what are they going to do at the left tackle position after Russell Okung? Because we know Russell Okung isn't going to be here very long. This may very well be his only season in Carolina. And if the Panthers are going to, you know, I guess there's pros and cons about, you know, this rotation. You know, you know. For the record, Trent Scott had 31 snaps. Greg Little had 23. But if they're going to continue this uh, this rotation, you know, the plus side, of course, is you know you get to see both of these guys and what you have in them in game situation. But eventually, you got to figure out, okay, who's going to be the left tackle for this team? Is it going to be one of these two guys after Okung leaves, or is it going to have to come via free agency? Or via the draft. That's something this team has to figure out at some point. But for now, you know, you can take it as a positive. You can at least see what you have in both these guys. And, you know, you don't have terrible players. I mean, Greg Little has been up and down. And, you know, really, this is his first 
you know, full on experience, we'll say, you know, or at least uh, it's good that he's like staying healthy because we know injuries, you know, certainly hurt him last season and hurt his development. So it's good to see him staying healthy and actually getting a string of games here, um, you know, getting all this experience and, and staying healthy, things like that. But, you know, Trent Scott, they've obviously been wanting to get a good look at him as well ever since they claimed him off waivers before the start of the season from the LA Chargers. So, you know, we figure, you know, if if Okun continues to miss time, this is obviously going to continue to be a case. But o- overall, the offensive line certainly up and down and and I think I touched on this Friday as well. You know, this is um it's obviously a position that's going to have to be addressed at some point uh via free agency or via the draft. And we talked even I think during last week about some names that we'll be keeping an eye on in the draft process uh, as we move forward. Uh, the rest of the offensive players, as far as the snap counts go, so again, Teddy Bridgewater, 48 snaps. DJ Moore saw 48. Mike Davis, 46. Robbie Anderson, 45. Curtis Samuel, 41. So again, those three those three receivers um, actually closed the gap a little bit. You know, Curtis Samuel, we know he's been coming off injury and have been limited. It's good to see him kind of getting that full workload, you know, so to speak, with you know, with these like seventy-five to eighty percent snaps, which is kind of what we had been seeing from these guys when healthy. Ian Thomas, forty snaps, about seventy-five percent. Good to see him getting a lot of work. You know, hopefully, you know, we'd like to see him continue to get more involved in the passing game, but at least he's getting more involved in the offense in general, at least being on the field, and that's obviously step one to being involved. Uh, we talked about Trent Scott and Greg Little. Chris Manhurt saw 19 snaps, so again, and then Colin Thompson saw just 10 snaps, so there you go. There was a big gap now. You go from Ian Thomas playing 75% of the snaps, Manhurt's 35% of the snaps, and Colin Thompson just about 19% of the snaps. So this was just one of those games, you know, is this going to be the trend going forward? We'll see, but this is kind of what we expected or kind of what we thought would happen uh, at the start of the season, that uh, that Ian Thomas was going to, you know, largely outplay and, you know, see more opportunities than Chris Manhurts and even, you know, whoever the number three tight end wound up being, which ended up being Colin Thompson. Brandon Zilstra saw 13 snaps. P.J. Walker, of course, played nine snaps. Uh, in place of the injured Teddy Bridgewater, at least at the time. Alex Arma, three snaps, and Farrell Cooper, two snaps. Uh, the notes from the Panthers' website, Teddy Bridgewater missed six snaps after a late hit to the head that sent him into the medical tent. He was cleared and, of course, returned on the next drive. P.J. Walker played nine total snaps, including three at wideout before Bridgewater left the game. Yep, and we saw that like, a couple times, too, so... Um, that's why, you know, Bridgewater only missed nine snaps, but of course PJ Walker, or Bridgewater missed six snaps. PJ Walker played nine snaps because they were utilizing him uh, a little bit more than uh, just a quarterback showcasing his athleticism. And Walker, of course, was one of four for three yards in that short time that he was in at quarterback. Trent Scott played majority of the snaps at left tackle, as we talked about over uh, Greg Little. And then Ian Thomas played a season high 74% of the snaps and had season-best three receptions for 28 yards. 
So that's the offensive side of things. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here and thank uh, one of our great sponsors here at the podcast. And then we're going to talk about the defensive snaps and the defensive side of the football. And then, like I said, we'll get into the two touchdowns that Curtis Samuel had and kind of uh, what made them work. But uh, before we get into all that, I uh, want to remind you guys of today's episode is being powered by our friends at Pepsi. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or even overbearing sports parents, and we've seen some of those for sure, uh, less than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season, of course, is different, but Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't just made for those who play the game, it's made for people like us, those who watch it week in and week out. Because Pepsi is made for football watching. And remember to go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. As we shift over the defensive side of the ball now and look at uh, those snap counts, uh, we see that there were 70 total defensive snaps for the Panthers, and two players saw every single snap. Trey Boston, once again, was one of those players. He's basically done that every week. And then Troy Pride. Troy Pride, you know, really stepping up this season as a rookie. Certainly, um, you know, we obviously saw the struggles he had in week one, which was to be... Uh, understood because he was a rookie playing his first NFL game. He was going up against a speedster usually in a Henry Ruggs. Uh, but we know pride was not perfect in this game, but uh, usually cornerbacks aren't, and it doesn't even matter who it is. It's almost any cornerback can look pretty tough or, or rough I sh- or have a tough time, I should say, uh, when you're up against Julio Jones. And that happened, of course, a little bit for Troy Pride. But he still played all 70 snaps, so the uh, the Panthers still have a lot of trust in him. Shaq Thompson saw 67 snaps. Jeremy Chin, uh, 66. Derek Brown, uh, of course, in getting his first, or I should say, well, I shouldn't say him getting his first start. I mean, that, that would be a Bravey on Roy, excuse me. Derek Brown, obviously, has, has been starting, so... Uh, pardon me for that, but Derek Brown seeing 80% of the snaps, 56 uh, total. Brian Burns also saw 56 snaps. Corn Elder, it's good to see him getting uh, a bit more playing time. He's certainly been uh, improving as these weeks go along. Uh, he saw 53 snaps, so uh, really you're talking about him as the, uh, the, the second highest playing cornerback on Thursday night behind Troy Pride. Sam Franklin went from playing every single snap in Week 7 against the Saints to playing 48 snaps out of 70, so 69% on Thursday. 
Uh, Stephen Weatherly saw 43 snaps, as did Dyer Whitehead. That's about 61%. And then Bravion Roy, that's who I meant to say, uh, getting his first start in place, of course, of, of the injured Zach Kerr. He saw 37 of the 70 snaps. Marquise Haynes played 36 snaps. Dante Jackson only playing 25 snaps is, of course, you know, we figured the Panthers were probably having him a bit on a bit of a pitch count with his injury. F.A. Obata, 23 snaps. Miles Hartsfield saw 22 snaps on defense. Really his first significant playing time on defense. So you kind of see the split there now at safety between Sam Franklin and Miles Hartsfield. And then Stanley Thomas Oliver even got some playing time today or on Thursday at the cornerback position. 15 snaps. Uh, Darius Taylor, 13 snaps. Woodrow Hamilton, 12 snaps. Austin Larkin saw 11, and then Jermaine Carter saw 4 snaps. Uh, Dante Jackson, again, just 36% of the snaps in the first half, but then he left with a toe injury. He finished with 3 tackles, a pass deflection, and his third interception of the season. Troy Pride... And this was the 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 first time actually that he played all every single defensive snap in a game. And in Cornell, there we said you know we just mentioned uh, his amount of playing time. That's actually this was actually a career high for him, seventy six percent of the snaps. Uh, then they mentioned two of the rookies, as I just noted on Stanley Thomas Oliver the third and Miles Hartsfield, both making their debuts. On defense, Thomas Oliver, of course, had been, you know, inactive and, you know, working his way. Even when he was playing, it was mostly special teams. Same with Miles Hartsfield. So good to get them uh, some action on defense as well. And I talked, we talked, of course, you know, a little bit during the offseason about we really didn't uh, talk too much about Miles Hartsfield, but we had mentioned a little bit about Thomas Oliver. Remember, this is a kid that, um, you know, similar to Noah Igbenogany at Auburn, who's obviously a lot more highly touted going in the first round. But Stanley Thomas Oliver, similar situation, didn't have a lot of experience in college playing the cornerback position, uh, made the transition in the middle of his college career, but quickly became one of the top corners in Conference USA and was a really, really good player and one of the leaders for Florida International. So for a seventh round pick as a kid, you can, you know, develop. Um, I was always intrigued by the pick and, you know, we got to see him a little bit. Obviously he's got some work to do, but at least he's getting on the field, which is a good first step. So hopefully we continue to see him a bit on the field as well. And in Miles Hartsfield, I mean, we've seen just the athleticism that he has between getting snaps at running back last week against the Saints. Now he's playing defense. So, Really just kind of those uh, one of those jack-of-all-trades type players. So really been impressed with the um, just the overall play so far. And, of course, even on special teams as well with Hartsfield. Uh, they then noted, noted that uh, Marquise Haynes played 51% of the snaps and recorded his third sack of the season, which is tied for the team lead. Derek Brown, uh, the 80% of snaps was actually his career high, which beat out his career high he set last week of 77% against the Saints. And then Bravion Roy also playing a career high with 53% of the snaps as, again, he got the start in place of the 
injured Zach Kerr. And then the last note they have is that Panthers rookies accounted for 40% of the total defensive snaps. Eventually, we figured it was probably going to get to that point because we just kept talking about all these rookies and all these young players that the Panthers have. I mean, remember, go back to week one. You're talking about four rookies that were starting, right? You had Derek Brown, you had Yitor Grossmatos, you had Jeremy Chin, you had Troy Pride all starting. Now you're adding even more rookies, not starting, but just seeing snaps on defense when you add in... Stanley Thomas Oliver and Miles Hartsfield and Sam Franklin, a lot, Bravion Roy, their sixth round pick, a lot of young players and a lot of first year players starting to see some action on defense. And, I, I, you know, let me, let me get sidetracked for a minute here. Let me go back to something I said on Friday, and that was. You know, the fact that this team, you know, we, we were focusing a lot on the record and how the team is, is three and five now. But when I sit back and think about it, this was kind of about where we expected the Panthers. I know it's disappointing that the Panthers have been competitive in all eight games and have only won three of them. But we said going into the season that this was about seeing progress from a number of a number of spots you know from all these young players and you know how they would develop in their rookie season to obviously you know a rookie head coach and Matt Rule and how he adjusts to the NFL I think you at least have to be happy with the fact that the Panthers have been competitive in these first eight games of the season we really didn't expect that from this team we we were a, a lot of people were pegging this Panthers team as possibly going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There was really not a lot of love for this Panthers defense going into the season. But through eight games, you're seeing some of the foundation pieces already start to step up. And a bunch of them, of course, are rookies, namely Jeremy Chin. And obviously Troy Pride has stepped up over the last few weeks. Derek Brown has, has played well. You know, when healthy, obviously he's been uh, injured the last couple of weeks, but Yitor Grossmanos is going to be one of the key pieces. And then Brian Burns is only in the second season, and he's flashing stardom. So that's the progress I think we have to keep in the back of our minds right now with this team, is that, you know, they are losing games, but a bunch of these games, of course, have been close, right? You know, th this team, they... Uh, in the five games that they've lost right that they've lost so far they haven't lost a game by more than 10 points yet right that week two loss to Tampa Bay by 14 is or I should say 14 I'm sorry I, I, I said 10 I meant to say 14 I'm sorry um but that week two loss that they had to the Buccaneers by 14 that's the that's the biggest margin of defeat that they have in five games. Other than that, they've all been one possession games, right? They lost to uh, the Raiders by four. They lost to the Bears by seven. They lost to the Saints by three. And they lost to the Falcons by eight. Now, that streak might come to an end on Sunday against the Chiefs. But again, the fact remains, they've been competitive. And um, they've been competitive 
and have you know held serve and haven't been really haven't been blown out in some of these games and that's the credit to uh this coaching staff this you know you know rookie head coach and a good mix of young and old coaches rookies veterans whatever the case may be so that's what we kind of have to keep in the back of our minds as we head into the second half of the season because we know obviously it's going to be a rough stretch coming up i mean you got kansas city coming up you've got tampa bay coming up these are two teams that very well could make deep playoff runs if not both make it to the super bowl i mean we've there, there's a legit chance that we could have a team we could finally see the host team actually be in the Super Bowl, and the Panthers see them in two weeks. You know, the Packers are still on the schedule. The Saints are still on the schedule. So we know the Panthers are probably going to end up with a losing record. But the fact that they've been playing well over the last few weeks has been, uh, you know, even in losses, the fact that they've been competitive is a positive sign. So that's the the offensive and defensive snaps. Uh, like I said, I also want to touch quick on the, uh, the two Curtis Samuel touchdowns and kind of how those broke out and how uh, how the Panthers made that successful. Before we get into that, I want to remind you guys that today's episode is being powered by our friends at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And listen, guys, I've I've definitely become a fan of Built Bar ever since I got that first box. Uh, these are very very good. There there is no doubt about it. I mean, there's obviously. You know, we, we know of all the, the protein bars that are out there. They may not be the best tasting ones. We just try to eat it just because it helps us, right? So we kind of force ourselves to eat it. Well, you don't have to do that with Built Bar. There's no forcing yourself to eat it or hoping you're going to like the flavor because you will like these flavors. They make a ton of different flavors. You know, I'm, I mean, I'll admit I'm, I'm a plain chocolate guy, but uh, their peanut butter one is, is quite delicious. Uh, mint brownie is also quite good. Peanut butter brownie, you know those those are. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bland guy, you know, you know when it comes to flavors. Um, but there's a plenty of other. I mean, the new caramel brownie. I, I would love to to try that. Or cookies and cream, you know those those are those could be my guys. But if you're a cherry guy, you know they've got cherry barca or carrot cake or apple almond crisp, German chocolate, salted caramel, a lot of great flavors for you to try. And the best part about these bars is they're covered in 100% chocolate, which means uh, they're delicious and they're even soft and, and easy to chew. So again, there's no forcing yourself to eat these bars just to get that uh, the healthy, get in the healthy frame of mind because these things are absolutely incredible. Uh, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. But again, don't just take my word for it. If you guys want to try this yourself and save a little bit of money, use our promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com and we'll get you 20% off your next order. So visit BuiltBar.com right now, or at least after the podcast. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Whether you want to do it now or you're listening or wait till after. Either way, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, get 20% off your next order. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I want to wrap it up here on a bit of a positive note. Like I said, I want to touch on the the, the two touchdowns that Curtis Samuel had on Thursday night, and I was rather impressed. You know, we um, it's nice to see Curtis Samuel get more involved again in the uh, the offense. We know, of course, he'd been banged up um, and then was a bit on a bit of a pitch count last week, but uh, they let him loose a little bit on Thursday night, of course, having both a rushing touchdown and his first receiving touchdown. I had found it rather interesting that Curtis Samuel had two rushing touchdowns before he had his first receiving touchdown. But we also, I guess, shouldn't be too surprised because, remember, Curtis Samuel was a running back at Ohio State uh, but was drafted and transitioned into a wide receiver when he left Ohio State. But um, we've seen, of course, the Panthers utilize him more as a running back, especially in the absence of Christian McCaffrey. So it's going to be really interesting when McCaffrey comes back, which should be next week, or well, I should say this coming Sunday against the Chiefs, should be back in the lineup. So it's going to be really interesting what the Panthers do, not just with Curtis Samuel, but of course with Mike Davis. You figure they should be able to utilize, uh, mix in those guys as well with McCaffrey. So it's really going to be interesting. But um, I want to kind of touch on the two plays that the Panthers had, or that Curtis Samuel scored on. You know, and when you go back and look at the the rushing touchdown, it's kind of a a simple run play. The Panthers just executed it very well, and Samuel just found the hole. Uh, the Panthers come out with uh, eleven personnel, or well, actually, I guess you would say uh, ten personnel. He had four wide receivers. One of them, of course, Curtis Samuel being lined up at receiver. But you had uh, Robbie Anderson, and you know it was it was a two by two formation. You had Anderson. And Ian Thomas to the left. Brandon Zilster, DJ Moore to the right. Teddy Bridgewater, shotgun. Curtis Samuel uh, behind him. And it's just one of your basic trap basic trap plays. Um, Greg Little and Chris Reed from the left side of the line. They go out and attack the two backers in the middle of the field. And then John Miller pulls from the right guard spot and traps the defensive tackle. And then um, Matt Paradis and Taylor Moten are kicking out the tackle in the end on that side. And so really, you're just fl- flying up uh, right up the middle of the field. They hand it, hand it off to Curtis Samuel, and he finds, uh, he finds some holes. It was great blocking pretty much all across the board. Uh, Little and Reed both, uh, both did a good job getting getting to the second level pretty quickly and springing the holes and springing Samuel open. And he really didn't have too much trouble getting to the end zone. So, I mean, when you, when you break it down, it was quite a simple play, uh, but the execution was there and it was a great job on that touchdown uh, to put the Panthers, or at least give them their first touchdown of the game after a couple of field goals. So uh, that was really interesting to see. And then, of course, the, the second touchdown that the pan- at the Curtis Samuel scored, as we know, came on a flea flicker. So you go back and watch the play. So the Panthers are in actually 
12 personnel in this play uh, with two receivers, two wide receivers on the field, split to both sides. DJ Moore to the left, Curtis Samuel to the right, Mike Davis in the backfield, and then the two tight ends both on the right side. Thomas is uh, on the line of scrimmage. Um, Chris Manhurts is kind of in that wing next to Ian Thomas. And so uh, we know, of course, it wound up being a flea flicker. And they're up against a, uh, a single high coverage from the Falcons. So Teddy's going to simply hand the ball off to Mike Davis, pitches it back. Teddy Bridgewater chucks it deep to Curtis Samuel for the touchdown. And it was interesting because the Panthers only sent two receivers out in, uh, in into the pass. Both tight ends actually stayed into block. Curtis Samuel pretty much run... Uh, a deep drag route to the opposite corner of the field and really runs past two defensive backs because the Falcons will realize there's only two two Panthers receivers in the uh, you know running on running patterns and so the corner will uh, will follow Samuel and then the safety goes with him as well but Samuel just uses his speed to blow past both defenders. And Teddy Bridge, uh, Teddy makes a, an excellent throw right on target to uh, to Curtis Samuel for the touchdown, pretty much hitting him in stride. And then DJ Moore um, pretty much takes care of the corner himself and keeps them, um, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, opening that area for Curtis Samuel. He's going to start by, uh, you know, he's already got inside leverage. He's going to start by running kind of a slant route to the middle of the field, and then he's going to cut in front of the receiver, get a, or cut in front of the corner, get across his face, and work back toward the sideline, but he's not really going deep. He's really just more, more running straight toward the sideline, and that's keeping his defender close to him and away from the area that Curtis Samuel is running into. And Curtis Samuel, again, does a nice job of seeing the zone seeing the zone cover reading the zone coverage because you've got uh, the corner kind of in an off coverage so he'll uh he'll take his inside stem and start cutting toward the middle of the field and then uh starts starts just running down the field a little more you know but continuing on that drag route uh but giving himself plenty of room he's already beaten the corner and now he's got space between himself and the safety, so there's really no chance that the the safety's going to get there at least um, in the until the ball gets there. But again, this is a an excellent throw by Teddy Bridgewater. You know the safety gets there, but he's just a tad too late. So uh, great timing, uh, great anticipation by Teddy Bridgewater hitting Curtis Samuel in stride, and an excellent catch by Samuel, and it's a touchdown. So. Um, really nice play design there. Great route running by both Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore on that play. And it turned into six points for the Panthers. So that was a fun play to watch. And, um, again, it was nice to see, t uh, Curtis Samuel get, uh, get pretty well involved in all aspects of the offense here with the Panthers. So that's just a quick look back at Curtis Samuel's touchdowns. Uh, we'll certainly look to do, uh, more of these kind of, play breakdowns 
uh, down the line as well. Uh, I'll, that, you know, that was definitely fun to do. But I think that's a good spot to wrap it up here. Uh, we're running a little over a half hour, but that's okay. So uh, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks, as always, for making me a part of your Monday. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great start to your week and a great rest of your Monday. And we'll see you next time right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends. We'll see you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.